0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we are in Kansas City. The NAFB annual convention is underway and Arlen Suderman is joining us today. I know it's going to throw people off because it's a Thursday, not a Wednesday, but of course with SC Stone and lots of things Arlen happening in the market trade and just here, you know, as we have discussions with folks around the, the, the show floor today in our, in our trade talk was the talk of China are we seeing things break down? Are they are they falling apart? Or is that you put it a little bit of use of the media to get a little bit of excitement brought back into these China negotiations?
1: Yeah, I actually take some encouragement from it uh, because uh, a lot of times when they break down, it's, you don't hear any news. I go back to May, all of a sudden we heard that they would broke down. Um, But what we hear now is two leaders who are moving toward an agreement, it appears. And with China, you never know because it can totally collapse at any point. Um, But I hear two leaders who are positioning for those final talks to get as much as they can out of the other side uh, by using the media. And uh, both sides have been using it quite well. And uh, the markets really don't know how to handle it because they think everything they hear is fact when a lot of times it's just stuff that's being put out there in position. And I'll give an example. Um, back in October before China came to Washington, D.C. for the face-to-face high-level trade talks, they said, all we're going to talk about is add commodities. We're not going to talk about anything else. That's off the table. What they do? They talked about all those other things. They talked about uh, currency. They talked about uh, intellectual property protections and stuff like that. Uh, and so it's all positioning. And the fact is, whatever we hear that's being put out there may or may not be true. Uh, but what I see is two leaders who have an incentive anyway to try to find a way to de-escalate the tensions over the next year so that they can deal with their own respective domestic issues.
0: So looking at that and watching what the markets are doing, how fast are we reacting to this? Are we just kind of putting it on the back burner saying we've been there, done that, we'll wait till we hear a final word?
1: I think the markets, which you know we call them futures markets, they're reluctant to trade expectations that China will sign a deal. But at the same time, they're reluctant to be short the market as well as they have been for much of the last year and a half. And so they have uh, unwound a lot of their short positions. That's given a rise to the charts. Uh, We're looking at higher prices than what we had a year ago as a result for the grain and oil seeds. Um, It's given a cautious optimism in the markets, but they're just reluctant to really go long the market to build ownership until they actually see a signed deal or get some of the details of what might be in it.
0: Does that kind of put us in the same boat with USMCA? I mean, there's the push that we supposedly will see it before they head out on on the recess. But is it going to get done?
1: You know, I almost sense more optimism over the partial trade deal with China than I do USMCA because of the politics involved there and the fact that the Democrats appear to not want to give up. I, I don't care what they say, but we have to do some more work on it. They've had it for a year. Uh, this obviously comes across as, a, a you know... A, to the markets as a stall tactic and if they're going to stall now we get into election year next year what are the chances of getting it passed so i think there's a real sense of urgency that it needs to get done before the end of the year and if it doesn't it may not happen ahead of elections and so i don't think the markets are really priced into positives of that uh, of the usmca
0: You look at both China and USMCA and and the lack of movement, just kind of gives some more fuel to the fire for South America to say, hey, come to us. We'll we'll supply it for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, they've been doing that aggressively. Um, You know, interesting dynamics, um, both Argentina and Brazil, they've been front-loading their exports on corn and uh, so that has really hurt our corn exports going forward but if you look at Argentina they have political instability moving toward uh, looks like more toward the socialistic government that limits exports of corn and wheat that heavily taxes all their agricultural exports going forward Uh, so that makes them less competitive going forward Probably more soybean production, less corn and wheat production. That's longer term a positive, I think, going forward, especially for the corn market and to some extent for the wheat market. Brazil, has some question marks about their safrina crop because the soybean planting was delayed. I think they're going to have a good soybean crop. Um, but what about the corn crop? There's a lot more question marks there. And we're in a world right now with relatively tight, I know we hear this mantra about... There's no demand for corn. Well, domestically, demand is softer than what we'd like to see. But globally, we are still consuming more corn every year, even with African swine fever, than what we are producing. And stocks are getting tight. World corn stocks, minus China and the United States, are at a 35-day supply. That's a 17-year low.
0: Ethanol production, seven-week high.
1: Ethanol production continues to seasonally ramp up. I would rather it was ramping up at a higher level than what it is. That's reflective of the poor margins that we have, but it is seasonally ramping up, and that's encouraging. Um, we also saw stocks go down in the latest week reported. That was encouraging. We're down to an 18-day supply. That's a very manageable supply of ethanol. That helps the, help the corn market a little bit today, I believe. Um, going forward, though, what we'd really like to see is a partial deal with China that makes use of the ethanol that we have and the DDGs we have. You wouldn't think they'd need the DDGs with African swine fever, but the actually buyers there have been inquiring about DDGs, so there seems to be some interest, and they certainly could use the ethanol to meet some of their goals they have toward reducing pollution ahead of hosting the Olympics here in a couple years. So hopefully that'll play out, and uh, that could dramatically change the corn market dynamics. Well,
0: stick around, folks. We have more coming up. We are in Kansas City. The National Association of Farm Broadcasting annual convention is underway. Arlen Suderman joins us. Come back. We're going to talk about this Brazil tariff quota for wheat, what that means. And then we'll jump over to the livestock side. China, U.S. poultry, ASF, lots of things happening on that side. It's the final bell on the Royal Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network from Kansas City, Missouri. The NEFB convention does continue. Arlen Suderman joins us here in the media room. Uh, looking at Brazil, as we were talking um, South America here just a little bit ago, a tariff quota for wheat. What is happening there and how do you see it affecting the wheat market?
1: Well, that does give us some opportunity. I believe it's uh, 750,000 metric tons of uh, tariff-free wheat can go to Brazil, and and, and that's a good positive. We have to compete for it. I mean, it's not all going to come here, but we should be in position to be able to get a chunk of that business. Uh, Canada will certainly be aggressively competing for it as well here, our next-door neighbor. Um, But uh, we would anticipate most of that would be uh, hard red wheat uh, uh, for their use by the millers.
0: Is there any concerns? I know we've we kind of talked about and joked about it, that wheat's one of those crops that can die many times over. But because of the cold snap that went through, is there any concern that there wasn't cover enough crops for this, or ground cover of snow, I'll get it spit out, for the wheat?
1: Uh, there is some concern as you know I was a certified crop advisor in a previous life and uh, as an agronomist working with wheat in Kansas uh, I know there were days there were times when the textbook said we should have had damage we didn't and times we we shouldn't have had damage and we did Uh, wheat is kind of a mind of its own but uh, we were cold enough that I think we probably did have some damage. Unfortunately, it'll probably take us a while um, to really determine that. And as we've seen in the past, by the time we know if there was damage, the market really doesn't care. It's it's focused on uh, the big supplies out there and whether we're exporting or not.
0: i will jump over China and U.S. poultry. Some interesting news coming out this week.
1: Yeah, China has uh, lifted, and this came out today, lifted uh, the restrictions on U.S. poultry. Now, they normally take a lot of the cuts that we don't really care for here in the United States, but it looks like they're going to expand the cuts they take and take some of the other cuts as well. And, and that's a real positive, and I think it's indicative of what we're seeing happen around the world. China's going country by country wherever there's some production to be purchased of meat protein. Um, be it poultry, beef, pork, uh, whatever, and if they have restrictions, they're lifting restrictions. And it just shows the demand that they have, the need, the, the protein shortage that they have, trying to solve the, the double-digit food inflation they have um, before the Lunar New Year holidays here after the first of the year. Does that show that
0: the the desperate need for proteins?
1: Yeah, I, I do think it does, and that's also one of the factors, not the only factor, but I think it's one of the contributing factors pushing them toward a phase one trade agreement. Uh, President Trump needs that because of uh, he needs a political win in the face of the impeachment inquiry in an election year. And uh, what uh, President Xi Jinping needs is something to allow him to focus on the protein shortages, remove the tariffs, On the pork, and uh, so we can also focus on the uh, pro-democracy demonstrations in Hong Kong.
0: That's going to put some sort of strain on this market trade a little bit. Watching what's happening in Hong Kong,
1: Uh, it it does, and uh, I I think a a lot of us Westerners just fail to grasp what those protests mean to the leadership of China and to the people of China. Uh, It's much bigger story than what we realize and much more of an offense to them than what we realize. And, and I think a bigger issue to them, believe it or not, than the trade war with the United States, even though that is having a big negative uh, economic impact.
0: Thoughts on African swine fever? What are you hearing from the boots on the ground?
1: Yeah, um, numbers of hogs being fed down 60 to 70 percent. Um, the actual pork production down roughly 50 percent. And uh, interesting that we've been hearing over the last week or 10 days, um, the incentive to feed hogs to heavier weights with uh, profit margins around $450 per head in some cases. And that's like hitting the lottery in China. And so they're feeding into as heavy weights as possible, sometimes 33 to 40 percent heavier than normal. And so when they take the hogs in, the packers are complaining because the added weight is all fat. Um, Those who buy the cuts from the packers say, what do we do with it? We can't handle these big cuts with all this fat. So it's kind of backfiring on them somewhat and uh, has caused a little bit of a pullback in prices as well. But it's increasing. I mean, that just sustains the need to import protein, import poultry, pork, beef, all the above.
0: Cash cattle, are we going to see Saturday sales?
1: Yeah, we've seen a few head in the north, I think, uh, above 180. Um, not much else. It's been pretty quiet so far from what I've seen. And uh, the fundamentals in this market are pretty good. We had a big down day. We finally started seeing that correction in the beef market after consecutive, uh, what was it, eight-plus weeks uh, up. The market needed a correction, and we really got it yesterday. Very little follow-through today. The break was bought. That sends a positive signal for this market. Packer margins are still very, very positive. And uh, so they've got the incentive to pull as many head through as, as, uh, as they can and manage those margins and keep them high. Um, so it looks good for the cattle industry right now. Although it's, it's not going straight up, it's going to have its ups and downs, but overall uh, better than the hog market in the short term.
0: What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: INTLFCStone.com or Twitter slash Arlen 101
0: And that's a look at the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.